Health economics is used in clinical trials to ensure information is being collected in the right way so that it can be provided to the minister or committees such as the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee so that they can compare new treatments with existing treatments to decide what drugs should be funded in the public system. Associate Professor Richard D. Abru Lorenzo is the lead of the Cancer Research Economics Support Team at the Centre for Health Economics Research and Evaluation, UTS, in Sydney. We asked Associate Professor Diabru Lorenzo to explain what health economics is and how it is currently used in clinical trials. So health economics uh, looks at how we use health care resources and how we can use them to, to better provide access to health care. That might be medicines, that might be doctors, uh, how we use the hospitals themselves. Um, and we use it in clinical trials um, to be able to go to someone like the, the Minister or the committees that support the Minister, like the Medical Services Advisory Committee or the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee, so that they can compare new treatments with existing treatments to be able to say, yes, this should be funded in the public system. And it's really critical to be able to make those comparisons about what we're doing now with what we want to be doing, uh, and health economics helps us to do that costs and the outcomes uh, in the right way to make decisions about value for money. Does the role of health economics differ depending on the phase of the clinical trial? Really good question. It certainly does and we always uh, try to, to say that there is a role for health economics in the different phase trials. It's just that that role, as you say, is quite different. So for example, in a phase one trial, we wouldn't be looking to make any comparisons because there isn't a comparison in a phase one trial, but we still might be interested in understanding what it takes to implement whatever is being tested in the phase one trial. So if it's a new drug that we've never seen before, we might want to know, well, actually, what what are the resources that are required for patients to use this drug? Is it really expensive? Uh, and that's, it, that's important for us to understand for the next phase trial, for the next phases of that drug, if it passes phase one. If you compare that to a phase three trial where we're comparing something that we know is effective with the current standard of care, then doing an, uh, a health economics study as part of that trial is really important because if that, drug, if that study is positive, then we're going to use those results or someone's going to use those results to go to a reimbursement committee and say this should be funded. So it's really critical that we've got good information about the costs and the outcomes for the new intervention compared with the standard of care to be able to demonstrate that value for money. Ultimately, clinical trials are done to benefit those diagnosed with breast cancer, but does there need to be an economic evaluation included in trials? Uh, Not in every trial. We don't need to do economic evaluations in every trial. It really depends on what we're aiming to do with the trial. So if the trial is aiming to change practice and ultimately we want to um, affect practice change either at the local level or the national level, then having uh, having an economic evaluation alongside that trial or as part of that trial is something we would want to do because having an economic evaluation is a good way to change practice because we're able to say, yes, this thing represents value for money. And particularly if it's if it's changing practice at the national level where we want to um, make, make treatments available uh, in a publicly funded way, then having an economic evaluation is critical. If, it's, if the, 
the aim of the study is not to change practice but to to show that something works so that we can go on to a next phase of a study then doing an economic evaluation might not be uh, required but we still might want to collect some information about how that drug is working either in terms of its costs or in terms of its impact on patients. You know, we have to remember that health economics is a two-sided coin. It's not just about what it takes to deliver a pro uh, an intervention. It's also about the impact of that intervention. So we might want to collect information, for example, about quality of life or the impact on patients in terms of time requirements. So, you know, how long a patient's having to go to, you know, how often do they have to go to the hospital or to the clinic and how long are they, are they there for while they're receiving treatment so that we can understand what the impact is on a patient from a time requirement uh, and that in itself has, has, um, has implications for, for, for a treatment and its value. What does quality of life mean to health economists? Um, it's, it's a really important aspect of what we do because quality of life and assessing quality of life in a particular way allows us to make comparisons across treatments and across diseases. Yep. So we're very from a health economics perspective, we need to be able to assess efficacy in a way that's comparable. So quality of life allows us to do that because we can look at not just how well people are living, so not just looking at survival, but looking at the combination between survival and quality of life. And we do that using a variety of questionnaires uh, that we ask, that patients are asked to complete, and then mem and we then value those patient um, ratings of their health by members of society. So a patient tells us what it's like to live with a certain condition, and then society has told us what they think about that condition and how they would value being in that condition themselves. That societal valuation often sounds a bit perplexing to people. They think, well, why should we care about how society values a particular um, state of being in terms of quality of life? And the reason that's important is because usually the information that comes out of those questionnaires is being used to make decisions about how we spend societal dollars. And that's why we get societal values of those uh, of those health, what we call health states. So, how does society decide what is important, such as making a new drug available to everyone? Yeah, the um, the the way that we do that in in the countries where it happens, so countries like Australia, New Zealand, um, Taiwan, the United Kingdom, Canada, and there's a number of countries where this happens, is that there is typically a uh, a, a committee that's made up of members of society who meets to assess a, a package of evidence that's submitted by whoever the sponsor or organisation is for, that, for, the, for the intervention. Now, in most cases, that's the company who makes or supplies whatever that intervention is, whether it's a, a, a new drug or a, a new diagnostic device or a new imaging, uh, a new imaging device, and they will ask this committee to to put it on the public, the public list, the publicly funded list. And the committees look at the evidence in a, in a number of ways. They're looking to see, well, is it safe? You know, if we, if we fund this thing, um, are our, is our public going to be safe? Is it effective? Does it do what it purports to do um, at least as well as what we're doing now? 
and hopefully better? And is it cost effective? And what that means is, does it represent value for money? So if we spend our money on this new intervention, would we be buying more outcomes yeah, than we get with the, the way we're doing things currently? And are we prepared to pay that as much money as the company is asking for them? So is the money that the com- company is asking for those extra outcomes, is it worthwhile? Are we prepared to pay that much for those additional outcomes? And all of that evidence gets submitted to these committees and they have to think about it. And they have to think about it in a number of ways. And so safe, effective, cost effective, but they also think about it in terms of, well, if we don't fund this thing, are there equity implications? You know, so will patients be worse off if we have to make them fund it themselves? Um, are there equity implications if we do fund it? Will some patients be worse off than others? So, for example, Australia is a great example where rural patients can sometimes be made worse off if we fund something that's only going to be available in the city. So, how do the how does a rural patient get access to something that's only going to be available, you know, in the major metropolitan cities? What happens if we've got a condition that's for very, very few people? You know, how do we make sure that they're going to get treatment? Because those treatments can usually are usually very expensive, but we don't want to deny them access just because it is expensive, and that means it's uh, going to be prohibitive for any company to provide it at a cheaper price. Um, so there are lots of other things that they think about, and not just that cost effectiveness element. So it's a very big decision that these committees have to make and they do it quite advisedly. So it takes them a lot of thinking and they put a lot of effort into it. And so you kind of touched on this a bit before, but how do you collect health economics data? Yeah. Um, the, 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 the gold standard way is to do it as part of the trial. So, you know, ideally when a trial is kicking off, we want to be there day one when the protocol's been written What's the study question? Can we incorporate health economic data endpoints or and data capture throughout that protocol? So when we get to the end of the trial, we have the, the data, the information that we need to be able to go away and do the economic evaluation. That's the gold standard. Um, that's the best way, so that you know we have everything that we need to be able to answer the, the questions in the right way and as robustly as possible. That doesn't mean we can't do an economic evaluation if the trial has been conducted and all of a sudden we decide or someone decides with this really needs an economic evaluation it can always be done it's just it becomes um, more challenging to what we call retrofit an economic evaluation if the information's already been collected for the efficacy component of a trial but it can still be done but um, yes as I say the gold standard is to do it when the trial is happening When a clinical trial has published results and it may be very positive for a new treatment, what economic considerations come into play when considering if a new drug should go on the PBS? So um, if we're focusing on on the economic side of things, so definitely that question of cost effectiveness. So does the use of this drug, so the PBAC, the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee, would look at the package of data that would be submitted by the sponsor company and that's the first thing that needs to happen is that the sponsor company actually needs to make an application so pbs the pbac wouldn't just say oh look here's an article we should think about this 
company needs to come to them and say, will you list this drug? Or someone needs to come to them and say, will you list this drug? And they would look at that package of evidence and they would say, okay, they're asking for this price, and at this price, the cost effectiveness is whatever it is, X dollars. Do we believe that cost effectiveness? So do we believe uh, at, at, I'm just going to throw out a number, $80,000 per quality adjusted life year, does that represent value for money in this indication? They would then consider all those other things I mentioned earlier. You know, are there other therapies that could be used in this setting? You know, what is the severity of this condition? How many people are going to be treated? What's going to be the overall cost to, to the government if we fund this um, particular drug? What's going to be the cost to patients if we don't? So if patients had to buy this out of their own pocket, what would that cost them? How robust are the data? Now, this is a really critical thing for them, is, you know, do we believe the information? So has it been collected as part of a fantastic, robust clinical trial? So do we believe the clinical efficacy data? Do they make sense? Or is this, you know, something that someone's cobbled together, bringing, bringing information from whole lots of different, disparate sources, and we don't actually believe the information that's before us? So, it doesn't stack up. We don't think it works the way that the company is telling us it works. And that's really important. So that assessment of what we call uncertainty is a really key factor because they need to have confidence that the information they're being told about how well something is going to work will translate into clinical practice. You don't want to pay for something and then find out it's a duck, essentially. And that's what that's one of the questions they're asking. You know, if we pay for this and we pay for it and we fund it at the price that they're requesting, will we find out that it just doesn't do what they're telling us it does? So they need to think about that in that way. Is there a heart or emotion in health economics or is it all numbers and cold hard facts? So um, certainly there's, it's, it's not all hard numbers. The numbers are really critical because they underpin what we do. But certainly there is heart. The, there, there is heart in, in a number of ways. There is heart in terms of the fact that we are so uh, focused, not so focused, but the, we look at quality of life, which is, is critical to measuring outcomes. And quality of life encompasses, in, in, encapsulates a number of domains. Uh, uh, and that what, what we're capturing quality of life is growing all the time. So there is a, there's a, a research... That, that's ongoing. There's research ongoing at the moment that's looking at what is included in quality of life to expand that. So we are, are capturing things that at the moment might be considered um, to far more intangible than many aspects of quality of life. So there is research looking at things like hope, for example, and saying, well, can we expand how we think about quality of life to capture something like hope? And that's certainly bringing in more and more of that element of, of hope. And I'll share an anecdote with you. Many, many years ago, I was coming back um, from a trip on a plane and I was sitting working, working away and, and all the whole flight, the older couple next to me kept looking at what I was doing and at the end of the flight, the, the, the gentleman worked up the courage to finally ask me um, some questions and he said, excuse me, but um, did, did you work on that, on that drug? And I said, yes. And I said, well, why? And he said, well our son had, had leukaemia and he went on that drug 
and it saved his life. He said, I just want to thank you for making that drug available in this country because you know, without it, he would have died. At which point his wife started crying, he started crying, and I started crying. And it brought home to me that I do what I do because it does impact on people. And you know, the, the, the nature of health economics is, and particularly the way we, we apply it in this field, is about impacting on people's lives, and that's all about heart, right? So, uh, yes, it's it's underpinned by head, the numbers, but it's all about heart in its application. That was Associate Professor Richard D. Abreu Lorenzo. If you would like to learn more about breast cancer trials or you'd like to support our life-saving research, follow us on social media or visit our website at breastcancertrials.org.au.